welcome to mini episode 87 of Real Life Ghost Stories. To kick things off this week, I would like to thank our newest Patreon subscribers. I would like to thank Steph Meehan, Kim Handley Newman, Elise Kelehua, Jacob Hughes, Amy Michelle Blower, Moira Conlon, Anna Divis, Alison Gossett, Gretchen Reich, Joanne Pettiford, Christina Valerio, Kristen Folsom, Jennifer Byrne, Hannah, Alexis Allen, Chloe Kay, Tassia Agatowski, Claire Fritz, Carmen Smoot, and Marie Lyons Cooper. Thank you so much for subscribing to the Patreon. You are so appreciated. You are so loved. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I have five spooky stories for you today. And the last story comes from August the 15th, 2020. And our first story comes from Jesse. My story is one about a demon. I knew that was what it was when I encountered it. And it was clear that there was no human spirit at work in this case. I never understood why this demon targeted me, but looking back, my best guess is because I was a very sick child. I had my first hospitalisation as an infant, then first major surgery at age four, and I've continued to have chronic medical issues since. I don't think the demon is responsible for my medical issues, but it possibly sensed my vulnerability. I want to clarify that I have never experienced hallucinations prior to or since this incident, and I've never forgotten the experiences or questioned them, though I know how far-fetched they may sound to sceptics. My experience took place in a suburban home when I was around five or six years old. I have three brothers, married parents, and I'm from a middle-class Christian family and had a fairly good childhood. One night, I woke up to use the bathroom in the middle of the night. Everyone was asleep, and I made my way down the dark hallway to the bathroom, In fact, this story has quite embarrassed me when I've shared it because it took place in the bathroom. That's where it was when I heard it. Suddenly breaking the nighttime quiet of my family sleeping soundly, a very low, inhuman voice spoke. It asked me, Do you want to hear a story? It was in the room with me, but I couldn't find the source. I remember staring at the sink and the door expecting to see a tall figure to pair the voice with but there was nothing. I felt it there too though, like that feeling you get when you're being watched. And it repeated the question like a broken record. Do you want to hear a story? I froze. I couldn't reply for the first few minutes out of fear but it persisted. The tone of the voice scared me and fearing what might happen if I refused, I simply replied a quiet yes. The voice then went off on a long-winded banter. The only thing was I didn't understand a word that was said, because it was in a different language. I'm an aspiring polyglot now, and I still can't tell you the language it was speaking. If I had to compare it to anything, possibly something like Hebrew, where the enunciations come from the back of the mouth, Its tone seemed to both have a warning in it, but also as if it enjoyed an audience. I didn't move the whole time, probably around 20 to 30 minutes, but then it abruptly stopped, and I ran back into the safety of my bed, scared to death to say the least. 
The next morning I woke to the sun filling my room and the sound of my parents preparing breakfast and my brothers getting ready for school. I got up questioning myself whether it was a bad dream and I began to get dressed. I hate to note this but being slightly exposed when using the bathroom and again when dressing seemed to be when the demon had something to say. But even in the light of day and the bustle of the family's average morning routine, the voice visited again, clearly coming from within the room with me. That same, low, inhuman, disembodied voice began to taunt me. Do you want to hear a story? Do you want to hear a story? Knowing my family were nearby and feeling safer in the sunlight, I screamed at the top of my lungs, No! Go away! and it abruptly stopped. I physically felt its aura leave as if a heaviness had left me. My dad came running into the room to see why I was upset, but of course he was confused by my story and played it off as a potential nightmare. I had nightmares, night terrors actually, the kind you have where your eyes are open and you're screaming and you can't wake up. But it's worth noting that those had been going on for years and actually stopped after this presence seemed to leave. As a small child, I was very sheltered. I never saw a scary movie or heard a scary story. There's no way I would make this up. And even if I did make up a ghost story, why one like this? I shared what happened with my older brother. And instead of discrediting me like most big brothers might, he added that he had woken up to a low growling noise in the house one recent night and followed it around the house looking for an explanation but the sound only seemed to move away from him without a source, as if it was playing hide-and-seek. I'm honestly scared that this demon still knows me and may revisit me, but I felt a huge strength in yelling at it, and so I had the power to send it away, so that comforts me. I haven't encountered any demon since. I moved from the house when I was eight, and I felt like it didn't follow. I've encountered your normal house ghost a few times over the years as I've lived in many, many houses. Doors closing and opening, pictures flying off the walls. One time I even saw an apparition of a small boy that ran at me. But I'm not scared of those. I tend to cleanse the house and sense no ill will, just old energy. Sharing a space with a demon though is no joke. And I encourage people not to go looking for that kind of trouble. And story number two comes from Liz. This story isn't as much mine as it is my older sister's. From the stories I was told, she was the kind of child that might find herself drop-kicked down the stairs if one of you encountered her. When she was four, my mother overheard her talking in the kitchen. When she asked my sister who she'd been talking to, my sister said it was the man with the dark hair. Naturally, there was nobody else in the kitchen, Years later, my sister saw a photo of our mother's father, who died before my parents met, and she mused that he might have been the man that she saw. When she was six or seven, my sister insisted that she saw the ghost of a little black boy dressed in 19th century clothing in her room every night, and she would talk to him and he would talk to her. After the house was repaired following a massive hurricane, she never saw him again. I take all of this with a grain of salt. Well, perhaps a giant bucket full of salt. I'm sceptical, because I've never seen any of the entities she claims to haunt their house. And because my sister was diagnosed with schizophrenia. 
She recently claimed she saw Whitney Houston standing above her bed. My husband had to excuse himself to laugh. However, there are a few incidents that I can't put aside purely because of the timing. Most of these are very personal in nature, but there is one that I'm willing to share. My mother's sister, who, for the sake of the story I'll call Catherine, loved hot air balloons. She was part of the ground crew, chasing hot air balloons in trucks on the roads below until the balloon and its passengers landed in an open field. She would then help fold the balloon and gather the equipment into the trucks and everyone would go for a drink. Catherine took my sister and I with her many times and though we children at my father's insistence were never allowed to fly, we enjoyed running around the grounds while the balloon was being prepared for its next flight. Each year, Catherine would go to a famous balloon festival in Albuquerque in New Mexico. The year 2008 was no exception and she made the drive. My sister and I were never allowed to go as school was always in session at that time and my father didn't like the thought of us being that far away from home. The day of the festival my sister awoke very frightened and hurried to the nearest phone desperately dialing Catherine's number. She begged her not to fly in a balloon that year, as she had had a frightening dream about fire and smoke. Catherine, who was very spiritual and believes my sister more often than I do, agreed to stay on the ground. That very day, the wings of the wind balloon was caught in a rogue gust of wind and crashed into nearby power lines, at which point it caught fire. There was one fatality and the pilot, a former friend of Catherine's, was badly injured but survived. My aunt doesn't like talking about that day, but believes wholeheartedly in my sister's intuition, and scolds me when I express doubt. But in spite of years of scepticism, this is just one of a handful of events that I just can't explain. I can't even bring myself to write it off as a coincidence. And story number three comes from Kyle. I stumbled upon your show after remembering the event that I am about to describe. Before I start, I am definitely a sceptical person, but I have had a couple of experiences over my 48 years that I cannot explain. I will preface this story by saying that my late grandmother always claimed she could see ghosts. I would lay in bed with her as a young child and listen to her tell me about all of the experiences she had had. To be fair, I never really took them seriously. However, as I got older and had my own experiences, I have been left wondering. As I mentioned, I have had a couple of things happen to me that I cannot explain. But I'll share the most intense one with you now. As a teenager, my parents divorced and my mother and I moved into her business partner's house until we got sorted. The house wasn't all that old, perhaps 20 years or so. It had four bedrooms and a hallway that was about 100 feet long. There was a cool, although spooky, basement downstairs where us kids would hang out as it was the early 80s, exploring the excitement of punk rock and questionable magazines. This house never felt welcoming to me. In fact, if I was the first home after school, I would stay outside and only enter when someone was home. I never felt comfortable there. Even in daylight, it just felt uncomfortable. The basement was somewhere I would never go alone at any time due to the feeling that it gave me. The real events 
started to happen over a typically hot Australian summer. Us four kids had the place to ourselves while our parents were at work and we decided to start having seances in the basement. As we didn't have a Ouija board, we had the idea to use a candle. How this was supposed to work, I have no idea, but I guess we wanted the flame to move in a particular direction, etc. Obviously, being kids, the flame would often be blown out by our laughter, as we claimed to be communicating with somebody in the spirit world. The first time anything really happened was one evening when we were in one of our bedrooms. We were all sitting around the candle when a small cane birdcage fell off the wardrobe. The birdcage was empty, and it hadn't been moved in years. Needless to say, it scared the shite out of us. As all four of us kids were not tall enough to reach the top of the cupboard, we were unable to explain how this thing had fallen off. We kept accusing each other of playing tricks, and I'm sure we all believed it was a setup. That was until the next event. Now, as I said, the house had a hallway that was 100 feet long. At one end of the hallway was the lounge area and the front door. The other end was the master bedroom, and in between, there were three bedrooms and a bathroom. Kids being kids, we would always run down the hallway from the lounge to the master bedroom, where the only TV in the house was located. Over night time, when it was particularly spooky, we'd run as fast as we could, and as the floor was wooden, it would make a loud noise as our freaked out little feet would run to the solitude of the bedroom, and mum would scream, Stop running down the hallway! On this particular afternoon, we were in the last bedroom away from the front door. We had started to use a glass on the table with our fingertips pressed upon it. Anyway, we were asking questions such as, Is anyone here with us? when we heard the definite sound of somebody running up the hallway towards us. It was as loud as if one of us was running, except all four of us were in the room. The footsteps ran right up to our closed bedroom door and stopped. We all looked at each other with astonishment and quickly got up and opened the door, and you guessed it, there was nobody there. Now, the obvious conclusion was that it was our parents or a friend that had come over but that was definitely not the case. We quickly checked all the rooms and tried to debunk the noise, but this was unmistakable. Somebody, or something, had run from the front of the house a hundred feet along the hallway to our door and stopped. We sat around discussing what had happened and decided that we too would stop. To this day, 36 years later, we still talk about that afternoon and what it could have been. I have no idea how to explain what happened, but I can only come to the conclusion that we were not supposed to be messing around. And story number four comes from Deb. Growing up, I can't really recall any paranormal experiences. My childhood was bland in that regard. However, once I left to go to college, it felt as though a switch was flipped on and I began experiencing paranormal things all of the time. I won't tell you all of my stories because we'll be here all day, so I'll stick with the ones that impacted me the most. The first dorm room I moved into I shared with one other girl. We shared a large bathroom with two other girls who lived on the other side in separate suites. It didn't really take long for us all to start experiencing things in the bathroom. It started as hearing things being knocked over onto the counter or onto the floor, 
We'd walk in and all of our toiletries would be knocked over or a can of hairspray would be across the room on the floor. It was weird and not something we could explain, but we didn't think much of it outside of that. My strangest experience in the bathroom happened one morning when both my roommate and two other sweetmates were already gone to class. I was standing at our sink on the right-hand side of the room. The entire wall in front of me was a mirror so I could see every aspect of the bathroom with ease. My sweetmate's door was closed as per usual. When they were gone, they always closed it. My side of the room had the door open as I was playing music on my computer and listening to it as I got ready. I should also say that each of our doors had a light switch by it, the way you wouldn't have to cross the bathroom in the dark to turn the light on. Anyway, I was getting ready and singing along when I saw something move on the counter on my sweetmate's side of the bathroom. I did not turn my head to actually look at the counter. I was looking at it through the large mirror. It looked like a hair tie on the counter had moved forward just a little bit, almost like a small breeze had pushed it forward. Only there wasn't one. There were no windows in the room and the only AC vent was on my side of the bathroom. I thought it was odd, but I wasn't afraid yet. Since my gaze was already over in that direction, I was able to clearly see what happened next. The light switch, which was right above my gaze, flipped itself down, shutting off all the lights in the bathroom. I was completely confused and a little afraid at this point, but still staring at the switch in utter disbelief. Since my side still had the door open, I still had light coming through and was able to see across the room. While my mind was trying to comprehend how the light switch had turned itself off, the light from my side of the room slowly started to fade. I turned around, horrified at this point, to see the door to my dorm room slowly closing by itself. I hightailed it out of there, mascara in hand, and made it to my room. Even though I had bumped the door on my way out, which should have caused it to swing back towards the wall, it continued to shut itself. It wasn't an angry slam. It was just very delicately clicking itself shut. It was then that I realised that my music had not only stopped, but my computer had completely shut off. After that experience, I never went in that bathroom when I was there by myself. It wasn't long after this that my sweetmate had the shower curtain ripped open on her while she was showering and no one else was there. We all quickly came up with a shower bathroom buddy system after that one. The following year I lived in the same building but a floor up and several rooms over. I don't know if it was the same thing that followed me or if that entire building was haunted but I also had experiences in that room as well. But I'll save those for another time. My next story takes place several years later in a different state at grad school. The dorm building that I moved into had been built in the 1960s so it was old but not ancient. I don't remember feeling uneasy or anything about my dorm room. In fact, I quite liked it as we were close to the bathroom and the garden. It took about a month for me to notice that my TV always turned itself off. I always chalked it up to old wiring. But when I rearranged my room and my computer ended up being connected to the same outlet, my TV continued to turn itself off randomly but the computer would stay on. Again, I was just kind of like, ah, electricity, who even really understands it? and just figured that it was an old building. Slowly but surely, things progressed. 
I often lit scented candles and they would get blown out randomly. I moved them all over the room, thinking there was a draft of a vent nearby. But it didn't matter. They never stayed lit, no matter where I put them. A few times I caught them getting blown out, but mostly I would look over and they just wouldn't be lit anymore. Then things started getting moved around. I always use a key dish by my front door because I misplace my keys. It's much easier to have a bowl by the door to plop them in as soon as you come in. It's something I still do to this day. Well, I'd go to leave and my keys wouldn't be there. I'd find them on my desk on my pillow inside of a drawer. One time I found them on top of my computer tower, which was on the floor under my desk. I guess I could have absentmindedly done it. At least that's what I told myself at the time. And then one night I had a dream. In my dream, I was sleeping and was woken up by someone whispering my name over and over. I woke up in my dream and had a very difficult time seeing. Things were fuzzy, but clear enough to know that I was in my dorm room. I stood up to go to use the restroom, and as I stepped towards my door, I noticed that my carpet was soaked. Like, I would take a step and I could hear the squish. I was grossed out and wanted to get the hell out of the room so I quickly tiptoed towards the door so as not to get both feet completely wet. I went to reach for the doorknob and something caught my eye on the floor in front of the door. It looked like a ball of wet cloth or string or something. I knelt down in front of my door which had a large mirror on it and I quickly realised that it was not a ball of string. It was hair. Long, black, soaking wet hair, like someone had emptied a shower drain on my floor. I was totally grossed out in my dream and went to pick it up and throw it away. However, as I pulled it off the floor, it kept coming up in large strands, with a little bit of tension on the other side, almost like it was connected to something beneath my carpet. I was pulling and pulling, and the long wet hair just kept coming and coming. I was basically repeating what the fuck over and over again. And then from the right side of me, I heard my name whispered. I didn't turn my head to look, but I slid my gaze to the mirror that I was now kneeling in front of. In the mirror, kneeling beside me, was a young woman with long black hair. I don't remember what she was wearing, and when I try to recall this dream, I can't see her face. I just remember the hair and I knew the hair I was pulling out of the floor was hers. And then I heard her say, inside my head, not with my ears, even though she was right next to me, but her voice is inside my head. I'm still here. I was frozen in my dream. Couldn't speak, couldn't move. And again, I couldn't see her face. But I knew that she was slowly opening up her mouth because I could hear it. The click of saliva. She's leaning closer and closer to my face and then she screamed right into my ear. It was the scream of someone who was deeply mourning something, someone who was in horrible pain. I woke up at that moment crying, terrified and extremely confused because I was upright, not laying down. I finally realised that I was no longer in my bed. I was kneeling in front of my door. I didn't sleep for the rest of that night, or really for the rest of that year. I never slept in that room in the dark again. The next morning I googled something to help protect me from nightmares like that. 
It was the first time I was introduced to sage, only I didn't know I needed to burn it. I simply snipped leaves from our garden and stuffed them in my pillows. I also hung a large bunch above my bed and said a prayer while doing so. I never had another nightmare like that. Honestly, one was more than enough and it still terrifies me. It wasn't until two or three years later after I had moved away that I found out that a young woman had committed suicide in our building. She took a bunch of pills in the tub, fell asleep and ended up drowning. There were lots of things that happened in that house while I lived there. I actually think there was more than one thing haunting it because so many of my housemates also had experiences, some similar to mine but others that were completely different. When I think back on my experience now I feel sad inside. That poor girl is just trapped there and she probably needs help crossing over. I hope that she was eventually able to and isn't still stuck in that house. And story number five comes from Andrea. I have a couple of stories for you about the deaths of my two cats. Sad, yes, but what happened in both cases was comforting and made me think there is a lot more to life and death and animals than most of us realise. My family owned two cats, brothers Monty who was black and Louie who was a ginger tabby. We got them when my brother and I still lived at home, so they were always our cats as well as mum and dad's. There were strange happenings surrounding both of their deaths. Monty got very ill when he was 10 years old. The vet advised that it was feline leukaemia and gave him some medication to make him a bit more comfortable. But it was obvious he didn't have much time left. He was too weak to really move much and he certainly wasn't going upstairs. The night before he was due back to the vets, we were all prepared for having him put to sleep. I was still at home at this time and I went into the kitchen to make a pot of tea. Mum and Dad were in the living room, with Monty asleep on Dad's knee. I heard someone going upstairs and didn't think anything of it until I went back into the living room, and both Mum and Dad were still there. Dad said, I thought you'd just gone upstairs. To which I told him that I thought he had gone upstairs. Mum said she hadn't heard anything, and Dad said, well Monty certainly did because he followed whoever it was. We checked upstairs and nobody was there, checked the front and back doors, and they were still locked. Monty slept on my bed that night, which I had been missing, so that was really lovely. He was put to sleep the next day, but I was really grateful for that last night of snuggles. Also, Mum told us the next morning that she opened the back door and all the estate's cats were gathered in the back garden. She likes to think that they came to pay their respects. When mum went to get the boys as kittens, she only intended to get Monty the black one because she loves black cats. However, when she went over to the pile of kittens, they were all snuggled up asleep together on a chair. Little Louie wriggled his way out of the pile, climbed up to her, put his front legs around her neck and pressed his cheek against hers. And she couldn't resist it. Mum and dad had Louie put to sleep at 18 and a half, so a ripe old age. His back legs stopped working and the vet said his heart had stopped pumping blood to them. Mum didn't want to watch, so she went out into the vet's waiting room. While she was sitting there, a man with a border collie dog came in. The dog went up to her, put its front legs around her neck, and pressed its cheek against hers. Its owner pulled it away, saying, I'm sorry, I don't know why he did that, he's never done that before. 
We'd like to think that somehow Louis was saying goodbye and sending love. They were certainly two very special boys right up until the end. Thank you so much to Jesse, Liz, Kyle, Deb and Andrea for sending in your stories and just a reminder that the last story was from August the 15th, 2020. If you would like to send your own story in, you can do so by emailing it to Podcast at gmail.com. You can also check out our website, reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And on that note, we shall see you on Sunday. <laughs>